0: Hi, Sandy Mackey here
1: and Al Curtis as well.
0: So quick shout out to the Wizard of Spas on Twitter as well as the Joe Andrews who have been interacting with us um, in the last couple of weeks and I know at least uh, one subscriber to the podcast so anyway thank you. If you have any questions or any topics you'd like covered just let us know.
1: You bring up Twitter which is a really interesting thing because I know for me we were very much early adapters to social media and the thing that got my attention really early on was Twitter and I know through all those years that we did the trainings and we traveled around teaching my favorite part was talking about Twitter and I think for a long time once I got so you know I I was in it for so long enjoyed it a lot something happened what I just kind of stopped kind of stopped being involved in Twitter very much and I found myself in recent years after over those years of of having built a great following on Twitter and you know of course we all of our stuff goes there so it's not like I'm not there but I'm finding myself back there much like I think you're feeling that same thing that we're spending more time in the whole world of Twitter and then I think the next thing too was getting a Twitter account for Penny, so that she could share her experience on the job and being a part of this pool world that we're in, and I find it really interesting just to think about where we came from with respect to understanding Twitter years ago, and and recognizing its value and knowing how many stories broke on Twitter and all those things that happened in there, and then sort of stepping away from it for a while and maybe reflect on that a little bit too, kind of the full circle of what what social media really is. It's its become part of who the culture is. For those early years it was sort of the, ooh, the hype of it because it was so new. Can you share a little bit of that?
0: It absolutely is part of what our company does every day and when we first started talking about Twitter I was on Twitter and I amassed a following on Twitter and I participated in Twitter but I haven't ever really claimed Twitter as my favorite social media site. Facebook has always been my favorite so The new, renewed energy on Twitter I think is coming from some of our friends interacting more on Twitter. And then what I found with Penny the pool dog is the ability to kind of play with from a fun and not sarcastic perspective, but a less, much less serious business perspective just to have a little bit of fun on there. So I see the adventures of Penny really becoming a place that makes sense on Twitter where it hasn't made as much sense in the past you know we feel like we have to keep ask the pool guy kind of business but kind of fun i've always been kind of business and kind of fun and penny the pool dog is just all fun all the time no business so i think embracing that part we're going to kind of have a renewed um, energy and spirit with it and then the interaction you know we got one of the comments from the actually the wizard of spas who's Listening to some of the podcasts and interacting with us a little bit more on Twitter now, it seems like he was researching different places and podcasts to get information online about the pool industry. And as you and I know, when we started, the space was wide open. Mm -hmm. And it continues to be pretty wide open because not as many people as could be are interacting. So, by the way, if you have any amount of knowledge in the pool or spa industry, you do have something to share, whether it's one year or 12 years. A little bit of information about one product or a lot of information about several products. So don't be afraid to start sharing kind of wherever you find yourself, I think is an important
1: point. I think one of the things for me with respect to Twitter in particular is being that we were very much early adapters. We were, we were in it, I think, I think when I got my Twitter account, if I'm not mistaken, there was just over a million Twitter accounts. I don't know what it's at now, but there were just a just a fraction. And we got involved, a good series of events, things happened, we got involved. And why I probably took focus away, once we got away from doing the training so much in social media, I probably stepped more away from Twitter because there was no pool interaction. There was no one in the pool industry literally to follow, to find, to communicate with, to have any fun with. And I looked outside of the industry for sure. but specific to the pool industry there was nothing now it's very pleasant to go on Twitter and find additional people to follow after all those years that we amassed all these followers and, and all the stuff that we were doing but now it's much easier for us to find pool people to then follow pay attention to find out what they're doing and, and that's something that just in the last year probably that I've really seen that just turn around and all of a sudden now it's easy to to search pools.
0: Well, when we started our Twitter accounts and were really ramping up the website, we had done that training probably right about the same time where we had asked the room of a hundred pool builders how many people in there had a website. And I think four or six people raised their hands in a room of a hundred. So if that many people when we started using Twitter didn't have websites, There was no chance they were going to have Twitter Twitter accounts, so it's nice to see that the industry is really picking up on what websites could be. Although a little late to the game, a little bit late to the game, still plenty of room to make it to make it grow. So one of the things I was hoping we could touch on today is we're sitting in front of we're sitting poolside today in front of our natural nautical themed pool, and one of the things that I'd like to make sure we mention again is the power of video in social media efforts and on the website because we have sold a lot of very high quality product or projects based on our use of video and specifically i wanted to talk about how a backflip off of this waterfall with you in your bathing suit helped to sell a couple of projects actually so how did that come about
1: well before we talk about that particular thing with Doing the backflip in the video, I wanted to just touch on Twitter for a minute. In that, that meeting, that that presentation we did in front of a hundred to hundred and twenty pool companies, and only a few of them had even had websites at that time. And we're not talking many years ago. We're not talking in recent history, but we're talking what? We're talking five, five, five six, years seven ago. years ago. That net result of being able to stand up in front of them, knowing that we were on the cutting edge, not just of having a website, but social media and Twitter accounts, and we'd spend all that time building conversation and building credibility online and doing all of that, and standing in front of that group of people and them was looking at us like,
0: what? We were what? crazy. We were
1: crazy? Yeah. And I, and I remember, we even probably mentioned it in that presentation that our industry is built around disposable income. It's built around people who have built lives, saved money, worked hard, created enough wealth or income to be able to put a pool in. And it's just any in all spectrums. So it's a $5,000 above ground pool, or a $200,000 in, in ground pool. Every one of those people is beyond the average. Everyone beyond, those, beyond that, those people have all done something. And what was amazing to me then, and it kind of still surprises me when I look back at it, is our industry had not embraced the fact that that consumer would be online looking for a consumable product that was, that was not necessary in their lives, and yet very few of them had figured that out. And now at this point, I think, I would hope people understand, and even think five years ago how important a website was, I imagine today I'm hoping that most people have figured that out. So getting getting then to this, the, the importance of video, and you and I had this conversation many years ago about the importance of being able to put fresh content all the time and continually push ourselves to try more and do more. And also be human about it, and I think that's what happened with the video of the backflip was here we had surprised the homeowner who was out of town that, you know, we, we had falsely through their one of this one of the siblings of the of the people you know made comment that the rain had, had been bad weather and we hadn't gotten this work done and then not, not much had been done while they were gone all intentionally a ruse so that they didn't know exactly how far we would gotten and we'd actually put water in the pool had the waterfall running and all of that when they got there and it was that day that we got the waterfall running that I did the backflip and it was that Let's be the first ones in the pool. If someone's gonna jump off this thing, if someone's because we know the kids are gonna do it, why not me first? And I remember you videotaping me in my shorts doing a backflip off the waterfall. And again You're it gonna was
0: do a backflip into the pool, do it spectacularly. Do it do it all
1: the way. And who would have who would have imagined that in the middle of this three minute video, there's this fifteen second clip of me in my shorts doing a backflip off the pool. And I don't know if you could have predicted that that little piece of clip buried in the middle of this three-minute video of the hundreds and hundreds of videos we had online at that point in time would be the thing. And yet, how many times has someone said, I want that
0: video. I saw that video video." and I want the waterfall that I can do a backflip off of and I want my kids to be able to do a backflip off of. Mm -hmm.
1: So. There's, a, there's a, to me, an even more interesting point to that story, looking at the background of the story. When that customer said, we want a waterfall like that, that we can do a backflip off of, that video had 20 views, maybe, at that period of time. It wasn't a viral video, 23, 20, think, 20, 23 views. Yeah. So it, it's not like this video had thousands of views, been shared all over the world. No, yeah. it had. 23 views, and we sold a very substantial project off of that basic video yeah. and that video, who knows maybe has a couple hundred views now maybe doesn't not I don't even know even I does not even, even pay attention right to it because 100. it's just somewhere in between yeah.
0: and then and I know like at, at 80 at
1: 80 views again that same thing happened yeah. so
0: and then there was another Pool customer that we are going to be building for that had also seen that video, and been super excited about that. So it hasn't only done one pool; mm-hmm. it's actually influenced other people three. calling mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. you know more.
1: Mm-hmm. That's one of those things. I know that when we many years ago, and I say many years ago, and that's really not that long when you look at the evolution of social media. But in those early days of social media, people were always looking for the magic pill. What's the right thing that I could do? How can I position my stuff? How to can make I it go viral? Yeah, woo, how could I do that? Yeah,
0: how can I and manufacture viral that was How
1: can I fake viral and things? make it go viral? Yeah. And there were companies selling it, there were all kinds of this is how you make a viral video. And how could we have ever predicted that? We couldn't have. But we did it. That was the difference. Instead of being afraid, oh, no one's going to like it. Oh no, whatever. We did it anyway. And again, it's uncomfortable. But yep, put it out there anyway because it's it was what I do and who I am and what the culture of our company is. And you know, we all jumped in the pool that day and swam into the grotto to see what it was like because we never built a grotto like that before. And then the opportunity to dive to do the backflip off, and all just happened. And we could all spontaneously pretend like, oh, we're too, you know, this isn't us. That's not true. That's who we are.
0: What I remember from that day, too, is because it had only been hooked up for a short amount of time, the water was pretty Pretty darn frigid Mm -hmm. when we were exploring Mm -hmm. the grotto in that pool. I think it was Yumi and Karen that day. Three of us
1: jumped in that day, and I think I went in first, and then I went into the grotto, and I was just in there sort of experiencing, and all of a sudden I heard, sploosh! and one of you had gone in and then someone was swimming into the grotto when i heard sploosh again and someone else went in yeah. and it was all sort of that experience of let's together experience what we've done because well, none of us had the experience of having swam into one of our grottos before
0: and we made sure that karen who does the tile on the slides was the first one down the slide so she could experience that mm-hmm. and make sure everything was good so mm-hmm. yeah there's something to be said for being the first one in the pool mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think that, that was a, a really good case in just letting the culture of who you are and letting your personality come out. Because I think we all have spots in our personality and the ways that we are that we don't always want to showcase and show and it's those idiosyncrasies sometimes that become the most interesting. Yeah. As much as we don't like them about ourselves, we try to hide because we don't want to live out loud that way. Those idiosyncrasies are what become really interesting to people.
0: Um, You in particular.
1: Of of anyone, I'm talking about me with respect to doing that type of stuff on a video. But all of us in general, I know that the things that I probably want to hide the most in myself are probably things that make me most interesting. And it's vulnerabilities. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's part of being vulnerable, and it's being who you are, and that's. That's the core of what marketing really is. That's the core about really being authentically yourself, online, offline. You know, when you're in front of a customer, when you're trying to sell a product or market a product, it's that 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 sense of authenticity that makes us. I know it's certainly made me tremendously vulnerable, and yet I have the social proof that someone says, oh, "I saw that video last night of you doing a backflip. Uh, we want that." That still is uncomfortable for me because here's it was me living out loud, something, that, it wasn't personal, but it is. It was it wasn't personal because I, we were videotaping it and it was going to go on the internet, but it was personal bec- that it was me in my shorts, you know, not not a normal thing that I, I don't normally take my shirt off in that in, in a backyard and and go swimming in someone's pool. It's it's a more of a professional thing that I. I wouldn't do that, and here I was doing that and and being a little bit vulnerable, and yet...
0: So let's switch gears for a minute and move on to some of that vulnerability and where we have arrived in thinking about a television show, because if anybody's been following these podcasts, they'll know that we dedicated a whole episode to figuring out what would a TV show look like Mm. if we became involved in it to kind of help further the process. So after we did that and we recorded that. We actually talked to another production company so now we've talked to two, two different ones. about the possibility of doing a pool show with, with somebody mm-hmm. and I think it was last week that we actually sat down with one of our customers and we, we got a whole new AHA perspective mm-hmm. on being vulnerable and showcasing yards which obviously our homeowners are more than willing to do but when it comes to a TV show, I think the feelings have switched a little bit on yeah, that in terms yeah. of what we're thinking. So,
1: Well, I think a, a big part of it is, uh, this is the, the aha for me, is that the customer base that we're working with, the people that are attracted to us, that through our marketing efforts, through our online, through their the connections that, that they find themselves interacting with us, don't really want to showcase it. They want to live in it and have a, an experience with it and a relationship with their family and, and all of the fun and the creation and all of that, but they don't want to live out loud and say, Ooh, Ooh, look, at, look me. at me, I've got this money to spend on this thing. And that was a really aha moment because television tends to push, and, and me as a viewer would probably feel the same way, that I want to see more more involved, more creative, more cooler, more expensive. I don't want to see humdrum less expensive, more boring, real basic anymore. Now, maybe the first show could be real basic, whatever, but at some point you're having a push to show really the extreme cool things, which is what we do. However, our customer base doesn't want to showcase that. They want to live it, have it, and, be ex- and experience it, but they don't want to live out loud for the world to see it. That was a big mm-hmm. aha moment. Because they're they're feeling feeling vulnerable enough spending the type of money that they're spending on self lavishing themselves and their families' experiences when when there's a world of hurting people out there that could use things, use basic needs covered. And you know, that's that's a point that I mentally have struggled with over time as well, is that there are those that have and those that do not, and we certainly operate in the realm of people that have, and yet I know that vulnerability of overliving it or overexposing it, and when we run away from those customers anyway, that's yeah. not our style. When someone calls and wants that in-your-face experience, we tend to stay away from it. Yeah. So in the part, in this case, it's a really good example of: Do we really want to showcase that? Knowing
0: that, do you see? Television
1: somewhere in our future? Having kind of had that realization that television, as much as the yumminess of the relationship that we create with the customer, I think is really important to showcase. I think that could be just a sweet spot, an amazing place, but not in production television, not in episode after episode after episode and try to create, you know, uh, 12 episodes a season. Like, television is created. I think if there was a format that allowed of 12 or 8 or 6 season of episodes around one relationship with a customer that would probably work. That's where I see it being. Do I see us doing TV in the future? As much as egoically it'd be cool and we talked about a, a TV show would elevate us quickly or destroy us. The risk of being destroyed by it or ruining the, the culture of the company isn't worth it.
0: So we're not but looking to do a, a show hurry. that's mm-hmm. like a commercial for mm-hmm. the company. Mm-hmm. And until until it makes sense, mm-hmm. it's kind of on hold for mm-hmm. now. So Yeah, to me it's we'd not important. We see it coming mm-hmm. in the future potentially, I, when but I not see... as urgently. Mm-hmm. It was very exciting when we first started thinking about it. It was. About all the possibilities that could come from that. And then when we really looked at where we are already, all those possibilities already exist for us. So we don't have to push into something that we're not as comfortable with yet in order to achieve something more because we can achieve the more without it. And I think for the benefit of putting our spin on a show and exposing more people to it, I think that would be very valuable just in the content produced, but only if it's done in the right way. And I don't know that all those pieces are ready yet.
1: I don't know that they are either. I do think that as, as this world of reality television and the hype television and the drama television sort of wanes, and at some point we're going to get tired of that. I think. I know I am, and I, I'm a reality television, I love watching all of the different, in, in particular which is really interesting, is a lot of the car shows and how they flip cars and they fix them and then, and then sell them and they find the buyer interaction. And yet, I found myself last night. Here's a, here's a, just a point. Nothing to do with this, but everything to do with this. Flipping between two shows on TV. One of them's Fast and Loud. Anyone paying attention to this that may be interested in cars or no? Richard Rawlings, Fast and Loud. He is really character. He's you know he's out loud, up front. Woohoo! Drink beer, party, have a good time. Let's let's build this car. Let's spend this money. Let's whatever. and, and, and he's living really out loud. He is on i don't know probably i think the history channel or discovery channel and then you go all the way over here to velocity and i'm watching two shows last night back and forth during commercials i would flip and it's called chasing chasing classic cars and it's wayne something or other i can't think of his last name he's super well known in the car collecting world like the 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 really delicious car collecting world not the hot rod woof flashy whatever but instead of the the, the Ferraris and the you know these these fifties race cars and all of the stuff and and his show which has been on like eleven or twelve seasons now I think it's been a long, long time anyway it's all about him finding these classic cars and helping people move them to the new owner so it's he's buying them he buys and sells cars but it's also him if he's not buying them, he helps people auction and everything else they talk nothing about money. Other than every once in a while, there's a specific case where they talk about, well, this money's going to be donated, and we hope this car goes for $20 million. And he's living this whole world, and I just bought through the episode last night, was I just bought three Ferraris, um, a, a surprise find. Never discussed the dollars. Never said a thing. He said, we, we ended up agreeing on a price, and then he rent, he fixed one up. He sold two off to someone else. Never said the price. Fixed one up, sold that said it was it was never a price. The flip side is here's Richard Rawlings who's living out loud, woo woo partying and it's all about I got this car for six grand, we put thirteen thousand into it and I sold it for a hundred. You know, it's this whole whole other place of living out loud. There's room for that, but there's room for that as well. And you know what I'm really attracted to? I love Richard Rawlings. I love watching what he does. I love that part of because they're finding these old Crappy cars and fixing them up and making them awesome, and there's a huge audience for that. But at some point, living out loud like that stops making sense, and you get on to Wayne over here, who's who's living at a you know where whatever he's working on the fifty thousand dollar car, that's like a drop in the bucket to the car that he's working on, and all of a sudden the money disappears. That's the type of show that we'll be involved in not what's currently being done, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's good for the industry, but the the pool shows that are currently out are all about live out loud, flash, dollars, woo, look what I did, woo, I'm awesome. And that's perfectly fine, and that's the character part of of reality television that that we, the consumer, want. But there's going to come a day where it refines itself that it's not just about the thing but it's about this experience. And that's where when you look at this this chasing classic cars, he talks about about the past and the history of what happens to these vehicles, these very classy, you know, hundred thousand to to twenty million dollar vehicles and, and how they evolved through their the provenance of what happened and, and the children that lived there and the he'll go back to the history of the little kids sitting on the fender of this race car of their dads, and he talks to the family and whatever. Dad passed away, and now the family needs to do something. So he gets, isn't that what we are? In pools, there'll come a day where it will make sense to showcase that in pools. I don't think we're there yet. It's too young of an industry online. It's, I mean, uh, in in the uh, in the TV world, it's all about hype and big and. The higher the waterfall and the bigger the splash and the louder the noise and the more money you spend is what's important. But there will be room, much like we've seen in the automotive spectrum, because there's a there's a there's 50 different shows out there on automotive. I, I'll mention one more. Richard Rawlings, there's a spinoff from him. And now he's in that mid-sector of got lots of show money to show and blow and, and show. And then there's this Misfits Garage. People have been cast off from him. And they're like... Scraping by buying the $3,000 vehicle and all hand working it together to try to flip it for a few dollars And there's the angst in that so they went from this really flashy to like us this step back to And yet there's this huge step forward to this as well, and I think the pools are right there they're kind of right before between misfit garage and Richard Rawlings fast and loud and once it gets beyond that and that sort of satisfies that general need for woo, I think that there then there will be room for us. But until then, it makes no sense for us to be that.
0: So until then, I would imagine that we'll keep doing what mm-hmm. we're doing. We'll mm-hmm. keep having our customers do interviews with us during the kind of beginning, the middle, and mm-hmm. the end of the projects. The ones that really want to kind of be involved in that way, definitely
1: will. I think I think what we've recognized as well is we're going to continue to create that archive and that library of content from beginning to end of something, and then maybe it'll be internal that we produce some of those shows, those experiences, those whatever, and there will come a day where that becomes really important. Uh, and that won't take as long as I would imagine, I would have imagined it would, but it'll take a little bit of time because people aren't ready for that yet, for whatever reason. Maybe because the pool industry is that much smaller than say the automotive industry, which is gigantic. There's a whole spectrum. Here we're still focused on that one cool thing. Once we get beyond that and and every pool guy at that flashy level says I'm the only one that can build this and I'm the only one. That's not true. And what I appreciate with Richard Rawlings in Fast and Loud is he knows he's not the only one. He doesn't say we're the only one that can build this. He said there's room for lots of us. We just do really cool stuff. He reminds me. me in that in that respect but he's not but but he's living way more out loud than I am but he's he's sort of dialed into something that's really kind of cool versus some of the other shows which I do watch them all that's the funny thing is I late at night I you shared something on Facebook yesterday you shared with me a picture of the the duck at work sleeping or you know your sleep habits and then it's the the duck driving the ducks falling asleep driving and then there's the duck laying in the pillow at night in his own bed with its eyes wide open. That's me. So I prowl the I prowl the TV late at night and you know in the internet just trying to find things of interest. And I've, I've been really connected to vehicles, which all you know all I own is a bunch of crappy trucks because that's all I ever do. I don't I don't need the the appearance. I want it to functionally do what I want it to do, and I don't care what it looks like as long as it can't be point A to point B. And yet I find myself fascinated with all these really cool cars and stuff. But it's not in my lifestyle to have them. But I, I, it's sort of, maybe it's in my mind that I play in, the, in that world of what it would be like to have that type of stuff. But knowing that the reality is I would not treat it with the respect and the energy that it probably needs. So whatever that has to do with this, I have no idea. But there's But getting back to TV, it's really interesting that I'm seeing these very distinct pieces that don't make sense to TV anymore. Even after having seen something on Facebook the other day, someone mentioned to you, oh, aren't we going to see you on HDTV or have they called yet? He had no idea that we'd already had these interviews and and yet there's other people thinking it as well. You, might, you know who I'm talking about? There was a, yeah. And and that was, I think, by the appearance of the comment, that was just sort of in his mind he'd come up with that idea thinking it was a good idea. And I know your response back was, you know, yeah, we've already been in communicating with them. I don't think so. So, you know, when the time comes it'll be it'll be right, but I don't think that we're interested. We're early adopters and everything else, but I don't think early adopters and having pool shows is a good idea for us.
0: Well with that, that's all our interesting thoughts and tangents for today. Well oh, that's not
1: all, but that's all we're gonna give for today.
0: So until Recognize next time, yeah. thanks for joining us and we'll see you.